Well, welcome everybody to the Philly Blitz pod number 16. Very special episode. It's our first episode with uh, with somebody from a competing team inside the NFC. We have uh, Brandon Olson. I know him from Locked on Gators, but he uh, works with uh, Sports Illustrated for the Giants. I'm also here with uh, Pierre and Quell. How are you guys all doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. Excited to be back with you guys as a full unit. Well, sure. dub dub. I can give you guys a much more exciting entrance today. The other day, it was not really pleasant. Sports wasn't treating me too well. Um, I wouldn't say sports is treating me any better now, based on the current circumstances. But we'll touch on that in a few. And what about you, Brandon? How you doing? I'm just bracing for the absolute worst this weekend. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I, I am very much a hope for the best, prepare for the worst guy, and that's definitely not changing. I was this about to really say, funny. I mean, the whole season had to be that, right? Just what can go wrong, what can go right. Let's just go on for the ride. Every season is like that with the Giants. It, it's just <laughs> like, hey, man, I'm ready for this to just just crash and burn. Oh man, dude, this is funny. I was, I was, I was messaging Brandon about it because, uh, you know, there, he has a he has a Discord for uh, Locked On Gators, and in it, a lot of people accuse him of being a sunshine pumper, pumper, and just, uh, you know, always, always seeing the bright side of stuff. And I was like, it'll be exciting to see uh, if you are if you're like that with the Giants. And he was like, no, I feel I feel no positivity with the Giants, only no. negativity. So it's uh, it's kind of funny to see the two sides of that. Um, but anyways, you know, obviously this has been a very eventful week uh, in in football. You know, we all saw something happen that was really unfathomable, and uh, and and obviously we're talking about uh, the, uh, the the injury to uh, to uh, Demar. Um, I'm blanking on his last name right now. Demar Hamlin. 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 I wanted to say Wilson. Maybe that was wrong. Demar Hamlin. Um, uh, in the uh, in the game on Monday night, uh, you know he had a uh, he had a heart attack on the field after what really looked like a normal hit. You know it didn't look like you know anything crazy. You know a lot of times in football, um, you, you see hits and you're like, oh, you know you kind you kind of look away and, and you're hoping you know everything is everything is all right. Um, and and you know we've seen a lot of injuries in football, but this was this was obviously just something different. Um, and and it was something that. You know, no one – it was it was totally unforeseen, and that's why, you know, they had to postpone the game. And now there's all sorts of ramifications, but, uh, you know, we had all kind of discussed that we wanted to um, take some time to speak about DeMar. And and obviously uh, since, since uh, the incident, there's been uh, positive reports that are really great to see. Uh, they even said that last night he was – he's still intubated, but, uh, you know, he has a breathing – he's a breathing tube – um, but he's been writing, and they even said that uh, when he came to, he asked if they won the game, you know, and he didn't even realize that he'd been out for two days. So um, a lot of credit uh, to the uh, the emergency staff on the Bills and the Bengals. Um, the doctor said that as well, that, you know, it looks like DeMar has everything working, you know, in his head, and that's extremely fortunate, and that is a testament to the work that they did on the field and their quick action. Uh, but what are your guys' reactions to everything? How are you? What are you, how are you guys feeling? What are you guys thinking about? Yeah, man, I think for me, it just really kind of like exposed the fragility of life. Like, you know, things can go south in the blink of an eye. 
you know, it really, um, for me, like I was watching the game with my mom and like, you know, her being a mom, she's like, oh, I'm trying not to get emotional and everything like that. And it's just like, like I said, you know, the fragility of life, you know, cherish the moments that you have with your loved ones. And, you know, because you never know when the last one's going to be. I mean, for me, it kind of, I, I, I was pretty stuck for a while watching it because it kind of hit me in a multitude of a bunch of different ways. And I was trying to figure out exactly how to look at it, but it was just hard to get a grasp uh, understanding of exactly what I just seen. I tried to look at it as a fan. I tried to look at it as a person who played the game at a point in time. I tried to look at it as a man who was recently married and would look forward to having kids in the future who I would love to see play the game. But when you see things like this, it's like, how could you want your kids to play something like this? It's just, it's, it's so violent. It's, and they say it's a gladiator sport. And I mean, who am I to sit here and say it like that? Because I'd be lying to you if I tell you I don't watch the game on Sundays and I see a big hit and I say, ooh, ooh. And I, I, I love it. It's a part of the game. It's a part of what made me fall in love with the game in the first place. But just when you having to take things in the perspective the way it is right now, it, it's like that could have been anybody sad that it had to be him but it, it, that how, how do you I don't understand I'm glad the league canceled the game I, I heard there was something about some five minute now I know Troy Vincent came out and, and acted as if he didn't know anything about it now based on my knowledge of the circumstances it sounds like that's typical protocol for the referees like whether it's a delay for the weather injury anything of that nature it seems like that's the five minute thing is typically the rule so i wouldn't say he didn't know about it but again in a situation of this circumstance it, it wasn't going to be able to go on like that so first i want to say hat tip to zach taylor and sean mcdermott for doing the right thing man it i don't I, it's it leaves me pretty speechless man i'm just glad to see he's doing well it, it just looked like a normal hit I don't understand how we got here, but I mean, I guess that just goes to show you the measures of this game. Yeah, that, that's really all it is. Like when I, when it happened, like the first thing I started talking about, because I before I I used to work in like financial stuff, and like the first thing I started talking about was what uh, Garrett Bush, who like the video started going viral, him talking about how like the new CPA like. They they shafted the players with all that stuff. Like it's it's like they, they talk about how how they cut all the benefits. Like that's something where I used to work in finance and I used to talk to players and agents and I'd be like, hey, like the new CBA, because when I was working there, it was like right after the new CBA came in. I was just like, the new CBA like shafted players. Like it just completely screwed you up. I was like, the NFL doesn't care about you. And so that was like the thing I was thinking of. Like, if he can't play again, that's it. Like like I wanted I wanted to know what would happen with teams like like if the bills would just be like hey man like we'll pay out the rest of your contract still and we'll, we'll, we'll keep you on or whatever it would be uh but yeah the first thing that i thought of was like if he's or like whatever happens with his health like how is that going to how's he going to be taken care of because obviously his life could be very different obviously we we know that they say hey best case is that he'll be back to normal uh but you can't really tell that right now so i was just like how how will he be taken care of um, just to add to that a little bit, for those who don't know, 
so what he was saying about the new CBA or the recent, most recent CBA, it, it goes a lot deeper than just the Mars situation. Like even when you talk about social security and the way they treat some of these certain, the, the older players of the league, players who aren't in the league anymore. Like this, this deal really did a number on all of them. And just in particularly to DeMar, like I was just getting into, I understand that I think the rule is you have to be in the league three or four years in order to get that check that like basically that you played in the league, the continuation check. He's only been in the league two years and I know his, his contract or his base salary. I don't know if it's for as a whole or a contract or just for this season, this base salary was just under a million dollars. Like it's like 800 something. So it's not like he was making any massive type, massive type of money. So if his career was to be over today or tomorrow, he, like, and let's not even get into the fact of the medical situations that he may or may not have to deal with. His family is in a terrible position. He's in a terrible like, and the league won't care. That's the worst part about it. The league won't care. Yeah, I think Demar's contract last year was eight hundred thousand. This one, I think, is eight hundred forty-two thousand. He had a signing bonus, I think, one hundred and sixty thousand. It's like that—that's not a lot. Like that's not life sustaining money at that point. When Demar, I'm pretty sure, is twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's and not gonna last you forever. And the question yeah. on top of that is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You, you good, bro? Uh, I was just gonna say, like. You know, we're talking about, you know, the the money that he's making right now, but he's he stepped into a starting starting role this year. You know, he was playing well. Uh, you know, we can't even account the the type of money he could have made. Right. You know, it's, it's easy to play those games, but, you know, it's it's definitely a, a strong possibility considering, uh, you know, his play this year and uh, and just that, you know, he was it was showing signs of growth. And especially the Bills organization, they they, they like to keep in-house talent. So. You know, it's it's just uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. What were you going to say, Pierre? Yeah, um, just touching on the financial side of things, like that was one of the other things that sort of kind of like crept into my mind is just like look around at the other um, professional sports leagues like the NBA, MLB. They all have guaranteed contracts. I feel like the NFL is the only one where only a portion of your contract is guaranteed. And, you know, well, you talked about the gladiator type nature of the sport. You would think if it's any sport that would have guaranteed contracts, it'd be the NFL. Yeah, man, that's why I'd like to think. And of course, this isn't about him. I don't want to try to make change the subject or make a situa- situation about anything this isn't about. But I feel like that's what's going to be so important about the Lamar Jackson decision this offseason. Like, if I personally, if I'm Lamar, I'm not taking another snap for Baltimore this year. I don't care if the team makes the playoffs or not, because I, he he deserves every dollar. He and every other player in this league deserves every dollar that they work for. And the way they get treated by some of these teams, a lot of these teams, not even just some, it's it's the entire league. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, even us as Eagles fans, we love Howie Roseman for his salary cap management and things of that nature it that thing some most of it comes on the expense of somebody on the back end at some point that's why players like jason kelsey said when he said oh the team said they want to give me money now instead of later okay i'll take it because you never know next year Mm -hmm. come you don't play as good and you getting cut 
It's like it's at the end of the day, you know, we still have to remember that these are people, you know, the contracts and, you know, talk about the salary cap and all these things. These are people, living, breathing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's easy to just uh, get caught up in football performance. You'd be like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so glad he got cut, you know, like, or we're so glad he got traded. But, um, you know, it, it, it is. It's people's livelihoods. It's it's people's lives. And, uh and there's a lot that goes into it. So, um, you know, obviously prayers up to, to DeMar and his family. I uh, hope his uh, recovery continues. From all accounts, it, it seems like he's he's all mentally there, which, again, is is really like it. that's amazing, you know. Um, and, and he's on his way to recovery. And the dude's a fighter. You know, you, you read about his story. I mean, just being a six-round pick, right? Like, he was he was the number one player in – in uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, in his class, then he was a six round pick, and he's fought to keep his way on the roster. And so, uh, I think uh, I think he'll continue to fight, um, and we'll continue to look out for for updates. But uh, do you guys have anything else to say about the uh, the topic? Yeah, um, I want I just wanted to say, you know, if you can uh, try to donate to this toy this uh, toy drive, I think yeah. it's reached over seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. It was five point five yeah. yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah. I, when yeah, I heard about it this morning, just like Pierre said, I think it was about seven million. So I like I don't know who it, what his name is. I don't mean to be disrespectful about it or anything, but like the guy on ESPN said, I think he was on first take the other day. Let's get it over ten million. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Like this is situations like this where and it's sad where it, that it has to get to this point that we had to get to this point, but that you realize what sports is about. And again, having a guy like you on today, Brandon, yeah, you on the other side, a Giants fan, we're Eagles fans, but all we all supposed to do is just rooting for the teams or the players we like, enjoying the sport that we love, man. It's never supposed to be anything ever bigger than that. And sometimes there are certain fans or certain people who take it deeper than it has to be. Just next time your favorite player drops a, fo- a football, little your kicker misses a game-winning kick, I want you to think about this moment and understand that all of these people are human at the end of the day. Well said. Well said. Sorry. All right. So let's uh, let, let's move on to the uh, the main part of the show, right? Big game this weekend. Rivalry game to end it all. You know, I was I was even thinking about um, this game when the when when the schedule came out and I was like, oh man, dude, I do not want the Giants last because I just I had a feeling that like you know there was just there was gonna be something on this and you never want a division game for the last game, dude. It's just it, it, it's too much stress. Teams don't like each other. Teams know each other too well, and uh, and, and we just know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a whole process. And especially after last game where Jalen uh, was able to to you know fight some of the demons from uh, from last season and, and come out on top uh there's a lot riding on this game and you know try to keep perspective about where the eagles are you know if, if someone had said that we'd be you know 13 and what four at this point uh at 13 and four and and we could lock up the one seed in, in with the last game i'd be pretty happy um last couple weeks have been hard but let's try to keep perspective except when it comes to jg well, no perspective when it comes to him. He gets he gets no love. But uh, but <laughs> we uh, I, I figure we'll uh, we'll start with just kind of looking at uh, the injuries for this week because, as we know, uh, Eagles have a pretty big player 
coming back on his way. Um, participated in Washington. We like to today. hope. Yeah, yeah, we like to hope. Yeah, that, that that's very true. But um, all signs are pointing to him playing. Uh, they posted a video of him uh, kind of going through drills, and it was really funny. Like they're they're going through ball security drills, and the coaches are like afraid to hit him. They like kind of tap him, and then Minshew comes and they just start whacking him with the uh, with the pad. It was really funny to see the uh, the changeup. But uh, but it looks like Jalen's going to play, and uh, and then also on the injury report, um, Avant and uh, Maddox did not practice. Lane Johnson obviously did not practice, and neither did Josh Sweat. Also, glad Josh Sweat uh, is okay. He tweeted from the hospital, but really, really scary moment last week as well. So um, glad to hear that he's doing better. Uh, James Bradbury, giant great, uh, is, uh, is, uh, was a limited participant, uh, as was uh, Sean Bradley. A.J. Brown uh, was just resting. Uh, so, so was James Bradbury. Fletcher rested. Landon uh, rested. So those guys are resting. Brandon Graham played a lot of snaps last game. Um, he got some rest. That's going to be something to monitor. Um, the, the defensive end depth, uh, Kelsey rested, uh, Hertz was a limited participant as well. And then we have Simalu, Miles, uh, and Slay, uh, resting. Well, Miles actually has something with his knee and then Zach McPherson out, uh, with an illness. And then, uh, on the Giants side, uh, as of, uh, today, uh, Aziz Ojolari did not participate, and neither did Leonard Williams with an ankle and neck injury, respectively. Uh, and then limited was John Feliciano with a back injury and a Dory Jackson with a knee injury. Giants have Xavier McKinney back, who is a uh, who's a big uh, big difference on the back end for the Giants. You know, he probably is their best player in in, in the secondary, maybe even on the defense. Um, so he's back. And uh, Dexter Lawrence uh, was back as well, full, full participant, was, uh, was resting before. So um, Giants have some guys back. Some guys are banged up. Um, but what's really going to be interesting to see is, uh, is who's really going to play, you know, when, when the weekend comes. Because the Giants locked up uh, the playoffs last week. So, you know, when it comes to this, uh, we were kind of talking about it off the air. But it's, it's, a, it's a little bit weird, you know, if they want to – they can beat us and, you know, keep their seating. But they're helping the Cowboys, right or they can lose us and they're helping us so you know there's a lot that goes into it but uh what, what are you kind of thinking about uh what we might see from the giants brandon i think that the approach should be if a guy is less than like 90 percent, just sit him and try to get him healthy for the playoffs i think that when you look at guys like Saquon or even Daniel Jones, it's like, don't hesitate to sit them if you want. Cause like you said, like, Oh yeah. Like, like you can help your seating, you can change your seating, but none of that matters. If these guys can't play in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what your seat is. If, if your two most impactful players on offense aren't playing, you're going to get molly especially when you're already an offense that isn't good. S- simply put, you're just not a good offense. Um, so I think that when you're looking at it, it also matters. I think, you know, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, maybe you feel a little more comfortable as, as the Giants going, yeah, we, we could sit a couple more guys. Or if Jalen Hurts does play and you are intent on winning this game, then it's go to the wall. But uh, I, I think that if, if, again, if I'm the Giants, I'm sitting guys that aren't almost completely healthy just because when it comes to playoffs, like, yeah, you, you want to beat the Eagles. You want to screw over the Cowboys or the Eagles. But – Ultimately, you have a playoff spot clinched up. If you do get an opportunity to play in the playoffs, you have to be healthy. You have to be ready to go. Like even if Daniel Jones does play this week, 
I don't think you see him run the ball frequently. I think that he he has to be smart about it going into playoffs again. As much as I've said I don't like Daniel Jones, I still don't. That hasn't changed. But he gives you the best chance to win right now. And and so you have to keep him healthy, and, and he has to be aware enough to remain healthy and to remain cautious and safe. Yeah, so I, too do, I, too, do not like Daniel Jones. No one does. No one does. Hey, hey, hey. hey the Mannings like him. The Mannings like him. I like Daniel. I don't think he's good, but I like him. That make <laughs> okay. That, sorry, what do you mean by like? Because like I know like he goes to like Hoboken and he plays beer pong, and it's like yeah, that's awesome. Like I love no, 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 <laughs> I don't no, want no. Him being my starting quarterback. <laughs> I feel like like okay, me personally, they give me a lot of flack about this because I mean, particularly with as Parf talked about with the whole gaining thing. But I know personally, I have this mindset particularly. Because I'm a scout. So in heart, my whole my whole thought process in life is I'm here to tell you what this player brings to a team and how we can use him and how he helps. We're worried about what he can't do after that, but I'm here to tell you about that. So I like Daniel's skill set. I mean, that's why I was big on getting him with Dabble, like we talked about before we got on. I was big on getting him with Dabble because I knew if he had a coach that could put him in a proper situation. Well, I don't ever think Daniel will be some franchise savior, some guy who you ride to a Super Bowl championship or anything. I think he could be a solid bridge quarterback, a guy who can win you more than his fair share of games. At the same time, he's also going to lose you more than his fair share of games. You just have to understand what you have with Daniel and kind of protect him as best as possible, which is why you got guys like Saquon, guys like Wandale Moore, and hopefully you continue to add talent to the offense. But I think we do know what we have in Daniel Jones. He's hashtag not good. Am I right, Pierre? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we gonna we gonna talk we gonna touch on that we gonna touch on that a lot in a, in a few a lot in a few. <laughs> no, but but... I must. I, I do got a question for you before we get to the next. Um, I touched on this on our last part last part a lot, man. As an Eagles fan, it's really disappointing knowing the fact that you had two opportunities to put the division away and have an opportunity for this game not to mean anything. Like, it wasn't so fat, so fact of the fact that we were mad at the – or I, I can speak for myself and at least a few of the guys here, where it wasn't more so the fact we were mad we lost the Saints game. Okay, it's you still got another opportunity to get done what you need to get done, but just disappointment of why you're making this harder than it needs to be. So I must ask you as a Giants fan, does it make does a does it give you a little chuckle or does it make it feel a little better knowing that your franchise or your football team goes into this game and we could bench everybody? This game doesn't mean anything to us, but if we wanted to, we could play everybody and essentially ruined everything you guys worked for this season. And B, of course, I understand your feelings and how you think that the team may sit everybody, but just dating back to that situation a few years ago when Doug. Kind of, and I know there's a new regime and everything, but when Doug kind of pulled the plug on the game in the middle of a game of a game where the Giants could have got into the playoffs, at least as a, a fan of the Giants, does this game kind of mean anything to you? Uh, a, yeah, I, I, I gives me great joy to know that the Giants could throw a wrench into the plans <laughs> for the Eagles. Obviously, hate the Eagles. Um, but yeah, I kind of. Kind of for B. Like, like I, 
yeah, different regimes on, on both sides at this point. But it, it's a matter of, I, I feel like, kind of going like, oh, like we should go in there and just, just screw up their plans. I feel like that's kind of a dumb decision to do uh, because, again, I, I'd prefer that you be healthy for the playoffs. Both teams have, have a spot secured. Both teams can play. I'd prefer you be healthy. I could also see an approach of going like, hey, we're going to play our starters for a little bit just so they don't have two weeks between games and then have to come back and play a playoff game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm cool with either side. I just want to see a, a smart decision made for the players that aren't fully healthy. Like, if if a player is fully healthy and you play him and he gets hurt, I'm not going to sit here and go, they will should have sat him because I think that's just revisionist thought process and it's just, it's just not productive mm-hmm. for anybody. But for a guy where, let's say, Adoree Jackson is 75%, I don't want him playing in this game. Because if he does get hurt, then he's not going to play in the playoffs. And Giants secondary, I don't know if you know this, uh, I'm, I'm going to steal what you guys just said is hashtag not good. Um, and, and so I don't want to be in a situation where you take one of your few good players who isn't healthy, put him out there when he's not healthy, and then he gets hurt and misses the playoffs. Yeah, it's always interesting to see with uh, with first year coaches which way they're going to go. You know, last year Sirianni rested our guys. You know, I uh, you know, kind of like uh, we we felt a little bit more hope than you might be feeling uh, this year because we went on that win streak. But uh, we definitely just were not really a playoff team last year. You know, we weren't really uh, we weren't really fully there. Jalen had matured as a quarterback. Um, but but Sirianni still decided to uh, to rest all the starters uh, week, week 18. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see um, how uh, how Dabble handles uh, decisions like this. But I, I tend to agree with you. If the guy's like if the guy's on the edge, there's no reason to risk it right now. Um, might as well just get through, get to the playoffs. And I mean, it's a big deal. It's the first time you guys have been to the playoffs since 2017, 2016, 16. 16. Yeah. I mean, long time, but in 2017, like game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's it's been a long time and it's, uh, it's important, especially for a first year coach, I think getting to the playoffs and even if you lose um, in, in the playoffs, just, getting there and, and, and having that sense of belief that, that the team is able to, to get to that point, especially when it's been so long, um, is, is, is a really big deal and, uh, and, and should be commended. So, um, you know, we kind of like to go into and, and kind of give two players to, to watch in the game uh, on both teams. Uh, we can go, uh, what were you guys thinking, one and one, or should we go two and two? Like offense, def- or team, team. You go one and one, one and one. Okay, um, so why don't we start with Brandon and then we can uh, we can go in a loop uh, with uh, with with Quell and uh, Pierre and then we can go with me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for the Eagles, one one thing that you have to watch for obviously, Jalen Hurts is like the easiest one of like if he even plays mm-hmm. uh, because obviously that matters. Fun fact: Jalen Hurts doesn't like me. Um, that's that's a, t- a story for another time though but uh yeah yeah we'll, we'll talk about that off air um, but but Jalen Hurts has to be the guy for the Eagles just like if he plays if he doesn't because you also deal with you have to try to lock up the first seed you won't know if you have the first seed because the 49ers also play at the same time so it's not like a thing that really is going to be locked up uh I I do think that if he does play it's just gonna be another blowout um that's just that's just how it is um, with the Eagles offensively with Jalen Hurts there. 
I, I want to say that I, I'm going to be just completely selfish here. Defensively, I want to see Reed Blankenship for the Eagles because Reed Blankenship is someone who, since his sophomore year at Middle Tennessee State University, I've been a big fan of his. Um, which, of course, the dude that I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been a fan of his for years. He goes to the Eagles. Um, so Reed Blankenship's the guy. It's also the only time this entire season he's been asked to be a pass rusher was the last time they played against the Giants. So I'm curious to see if that's just going to be like, we know they can't throw the ball effectively and efficiently against us. So we're just going to send people at us. Um, and on the Giants side, I would like to see with, with Saquon what they're going to do because Saquon is someone who has had a moderate injury history. He, he's got a little bit going on there. So I'd like to see if they play him, if they rest him, because you could play Jones and sit Barkley or any variation of that that you want to work with. And defensively, I'm going to say Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I know that he's getting a lot of black right now for the, the Snow Angels next to Nick Foles, who was on the ground this past week and then doing the little go-to-sleep thing. Uh, but but he's picked up his play tremendously over the past month. Like, he is really coming on strong right now. His attitude, just like in interviews, he's like, I'm paid to be a savage, dude. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I, I you love that. That's awesome to see. And so him just – Someone has to be a wrecking crew against this Eagles offense, and and I would hope that it would be Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, if I had to give two, well, I I just said we can go one and one, and I ended up thinking in my head while I was going, just go for two it. players of Giants, but I can give both to you at the same time, honestly. Assuming everything's all right on the injury front, my, my eyes immediately transferred for this game. Depends on how long they play, of course, with the Giants and their starters. But the, the battle along the interior, you guys know me, the offensive, defensive line junkie guy. I'm watching Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas. How does this work? The Eagles. I'm interested to see. I think I said, what, they were like five sacks away from setting the record for most right, sacks yeah. in the season. Most sacks in the season for a single franchise. So, and – I mean, I know Andrew Thomas in general has been phenomenal for much of the season. It's been really freaking good, really. If not one of, if not the best tackle in football this year. Evan Neal, not so much. Now, I know on your front, you kind of hoping that it's kind of a similar transition that Evan, that Andrew Thomas faced. I know Andrew Thomas was kind of up and down over at the start and then eventually evolved to where he is now. So hopefully, at least as a draft guy, because I was big on Evan Neal coming out, hopefully – is a bit of the same trajectory with his career. But just that Eagles pass rush against the Giants, them tackles, man, that's the first thing I'm paying attention for. And, I mean, of course, I know Daniel. It's interesting to me that you said how much the team wouldn't want to run him as much. It kind of makes me wonder how long, if any, that they play him because if they're not going to move him and you're playing against an Eagles team who essentially has to win this game, so they're playing a lot of their guys and – just a, the way that they've been getting after the quarterback over the last three or four games, it, they've been a terror, a terror for a quarterback. So I don't think you want to place your quarterback in position for that. So it, it'll just be interesting to see how that situation goes. Now, now, on Philadelphia's front, I think my player to watch will probably be Kaiser White. Kaiser White started the season. I'm As, as those who know who tune into us, 
quite frequently, they know I'm a big Kaiser White guy. Love my Kaiser White. We've been talking about making changes at the linebacker position, potentially moving the Kobe into make being a starter. I've always been a big advocate of if you're gonna make that move, move TJ Edwards, not Kaiser White. Because I like to think Kaiser White was the one linebacker that offered versatility. He was really good against the one to start the season. He was really good against the pass to start the season. Now, over the last few games, that has essentially changed, at least since he's returned from that injury. He hasn't been really good against the pass. I think he's given up over 100 yards over the last, what's that, two, three games? Mm-hmm. Over 100 yards in the air. So just getting him back. Say that one more time. Offenses have really just been like targeting him. It's like the whole middle area, and he's been, mm-hmm. you know, the. Mm-hmm. So we we had it's it's gonna be big time getting Kaiser back to performing at the level he was by the time the playoffs start. And this game is gonna be a huge step in that direction. Yeah, I think for me, um, and I'm gonna cheat, I'm gonna go one player on the Eagles and one player on the Giants. But um I think for me on the Eagles side of things, the player I'm gonna be watching uh, is gonna be Chauncey Gardner Johnson if he make if he does make his return. I know they did activate his um his practice window, uh, I think earlier today. The swamp, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, we talked me and Quo on Monday, we talked about it on the pod. Uh Jonathan Gannon throughout the last few games, you know, when he had Avante Maddox, he moved them all around the defensive formation. He had him playing some safety, he had him playing some nickel. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I think he's a perfect fit for that. So I just want to see, you know, how Jonathan Gannon utilizes him. And, you know, Reed Blankenship, he's going to be healthy for this game also. Sort of kind of seeing how they, you know, mix and match those guys around in the secondary. Um, and then on the Giants side of things, um, I think the guy I'm going to be watching probably is Darius, Darius Slayton. Um, just because of, you know, the last two weeks, how much the middle of the field has been targeted um, in Jonathan Gannon's defense. And, you know, Daniel Jones, he's much better, a much better intermediate to short level passer than deep ball thrower. And to me, that's where Darius Slayton feasts the most. So it'll be interesting to watch. Those are good ones. Well, Chauncey was mine because I ordered a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson jersey. It came the week after you got injured. So been waiting uh, you know, I think I'm going to put a poll on Twitter. I need to know, like, if, it, if it's the time to pull it out or if it's, like, go back to the B-Doc and just, like, don't test your luck. I don't know. So we, we got to figure we got to pull it out, out to the playoffs and, you know. No, 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 take it out. Don't pull it out yet. That's yeah, it. pull it out. Wear it. Wear it. You have to wear it. You know what, Brandon, you telling me that tells me that it's staying in the closet. It is staying in the closet <laughs> until the time. <laughs> but, um. But actually, you know, I'll start with the Giants and I'll start at the same position. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, my player to watch would be Xavier McKinney. You know, he wasn't playing last time. And uh, and last time the Eagles were able to torch the Giants through the air um, as well as on the ground, but um, through the air as well. And so uh, especially with the amount of man uh, Wink likes to run, uh, especially on third down, uh, it's going to be uh, really big for them to have an impactful safety on the back end. So that'll be a player to watch. Um on the defensive side, offensively, got to look out for Kenny Galladay. I mean, big-time contracts. That means he has to be one of the top players, right? Am I, am I, am I getting something wrong? <laughs> oh, I just think it's so funny. I make I make Kenny Galladay jokes all the time. It's it's just – it's hilarious, dude. I just – It's one of the worst contracts in football. Bro, Good for him. Good for I him. sat here and Paul – I had to look at – I tapped my screen like – 
January 5th. It's 2023, right? I had to go check. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it it's like September of like 2018 right now, and Kenny Galladay is on a tear on the on the lines with Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball. I mean, what a time! Uh, you you had to be there, you had to be there. But uh, realistically, um, on on offense, I think uh, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and just go with the quarterback. You know, a lot is gonna a lot is gonna tell on who plays. You know, Tyrod Taylor is also. Um, a competent backup, right? We have we have Minshew, but Tyrod Taylor is not a not a not a bad backup by any means. So, um, similar style of offense, you can play with both of them. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like what was saying, are they really gonna um, play him if they don't want him to rush as much? Like you mentioned, Brandon, it's a lot of questions that'll go into that. So he's someone to watch um, offensively. Uh, then offensively for um, the Eagles. I'm going to cheat again and uh, and just say the entire offensive line, you know, uh, last week uh, was one of their, you know, it was, a, it was, it was an up and down performance. I'll put it that way. And I mean, the holding call on, 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 on Dickerson just made no sense. I mean, my lot said it best. He was like, the refs obviously never seen an effing pancake um, because it was just like, dude, like this is football. Like it, it was amazing. And so, you know, that, that whole touchdown got taken off the board. Um, but, you know, we don't have Lane Johnson. And and that is that is really big, especially with Kayvon coming to town and and having Jack Driscoll there. So I hope we play a lot more twelve uh, personnel, so we can you know have a little bit more um, support on the O line there. Um, but so yeah, I think uh, the O line is there to watch. And even like Kelsey last week, he was like downfield on a pass play. It was just he even said like they got a lot of stuff to clean up. So uh, knowing those guys and knowing Stout, I have a feeling they're going to come out and have probably one of their best performances uh of the year and i'm and i'm hoping for that and then uh defensively um i think uh we talked about you know we've talked about mostly every group um but i think i'll say uh i think i think i'll say slay and bradbury you know i don't think bradbury was able to get his uh his interception last time what Mm-mm. i, oh, I said one. that because no nah, he didn't get it but i said when you say slay and bradbury i made that faces i'm like they're not gonna have any work I mean, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they're just there. It's, I, I don't. We talked I'm about sorry. the same. We talked about linebacker. We talked about D line. I gotta think of something, man. Hey, oh, oh, Richie James. Richie James had that nice little touchdown last time. The nice little touchdown last time. So let's see if they can stop it this time. And Bradbury gave up his first deep ball of the season. I think last game. Like yeah, I haven't yeah. seen him get beat very uh, get beat deep it very happened often. Happened in so. my face. And I seen it, and I could not deny it. I haven't spoken on it. I don't plan to continue to speak on it because he's been phenomenal. But that was bad. That was was that, was that, that one of the video one of his you worst. Nah, I didn't record okay, that good. one and for good reason. He got smoked. I'm like, okay, maybe you can recover. But after a while. All I'm saying is Chris Olave, somebody here told y'all he was wide receiver one. He was not, he's been nice, man. He's been nice. Garrett Wilson's been nice too. I mean, those Ohio State boys, I gotta give it to you. Hardline's got them Hardline's got them right, dude. I mean, that's a, just a down. receiver coach, man. But uh the go Gators and I hate Ohio State. But yeah, so uh <laughs> I think uh I, I think uh I, I think uh we, we gotta go with the O line and then um uh, and, and then the corners because you know it's not like they've had their best performances. You know, a lot of it comes down to defensive calls and 
and being short staffed uh, on the defensive uh, on the defensive end. If you want to uh, look at it that way, personally, I see it as calls. Well knows this, um, but uh, I, I just want to see them bounce back a little bit. You know, we got the playoffs coming. We we got the playoffs coming. Let's get a nice like little shutdown game. Don't let don't let anything get going and uh, and give us a vintage uh, Eagles defense performance. Vintage JG. Vintage Eagles performance as the team just left a yeah. game where they said, gave up 66 yards in the second half. Bro, we're you all cannot start a game no off points. like that. You can't, you can't start a game. You're lucky I wasn't on the podcast. It's not about how you start, about how you finish, right? Oh, no. no, no this is it is how you that's about how you start as well because you let this team get confidence. Andy Andy Dalton was 14 for 14. Brother, he gave them confidence and snatched it away. Dave's like, hey, you want this toy? Here, play with it. Give me this back. And That's the offense did time. nothing. So go, how'd, that go with the, how'd that work with the Cowboys? Oh, we're going to take it back. Oh, wait, no, he took it back. He was perfect. Look, okay, every coordinator has bad games. Oh, my God. James, you was made of bad games. We ain't got to get into made this. Bad games. But I want to be a head coach. All I'm and then saying is you guys are the same people, and I still have it on record. You guys are the same people that was watching John, John, Jim Schwartz. Like, God, I can't wait till he's gone. I just hate these sticks defense and single coverage. This sucks. It's stupid. I have never. And now I've he's gone. And defense, it's like, oh, my God. More gosh. than I did on third and 30. I just, I was like, stand at the sticks. Just stand at the sticks. It was third and 30. Oh, my God. Why is he having Josiah rotate so late? Well, well, I said, that wasn't on him. Call. That was Josiah's fault. What do you mean him? That was Josiah's fault. He decided to rotate late. Slay even said, why would you do that? Can I, can I say something? <laughs> Please. The biggest thing that you could fault anybody for is putting Josiah Scott on a football field in the NFL. That's all I'm That's saying. Fair. Josiah has not been that bad. That's outside of the last the two team, games. He's led the team with picks since Chauncey went down. He has the most picks on the team since Chauncey went down. He's like three. <laughs> You in like five weeks. That. And TJ Ellis leads the team in tackles, but we're going to continue to call him a good football player. Give me a break, yes. bro. Give me fine. a break. Oh, my goodness, bro. You keep watching TJ Ellis drop back in the coverage then and tell me he's been fine. I'm not talking about coverage. Is, and, and, and wait, wait, Quell, who is that on? Who's making the decision to You're drop right, back in the coverage? The idiot, the dude, okay. the same idiot that dropped back Patrick John- Johnson. <laughs> I'm oh, not God. saying he's without fault. Wait, right. I'm just this saying he's not as bad as we try to make him seem. Like, I just, all I, all I know is I've watched Derek Carr pick this team apart, okay? I've I watched Derek Carr do it. And the only difference, the only difference in the defense year. in between last year and this year is talent. He got oh, talent. That's uh, it. You, uh, I, all I'm saying is Brandon sitting right here telling me and telling you and telling Pierre about how his defense ain't got a lick of talent. He's begging to have the stuff the Eagles have. And I, I promise you, Wink Martindale, who blitzes every single play and do nothing but leave his cornerbacks on islands, when they give up the most completions over 30 yards in the league, it's going to be Giants fans like, he sucks, he stinks, even though the defense is going to be right in the top of the league. It's just part of the game. It's how it goes. You're going to always have something to complain about. It doesn't need to look like that. Ask anyone in Philadelphia. They doesn't need to look that like that. You're an apologist. Football does not need to look that disgusting. And I will stand by that for the rest of my life. I will die on that hill. Football on defense should be fun to watch. No. Oh, no. I don't want the big play to happen. Here, keep taking checkdowns all game. Oh, my God. It's it's checkdown kingdom. Like, 
I'm so like I was surprised Kirk Cousins didn't hit as many checkdowns as he wanted. It was like one game where they decided to play. My God, what? like, what's your team's record? Exactly. <laughs> I sit here and I ask myself this every we're spoiled. day. We're spoiled. I think that we're, we're just spoiled. bad sometimes. We're spoiled, but my God, dude, these games don't need to look the way that they have. Every like. I had a bunch of stats for the for the for the podcast I was gonna hop on a, a, after the Cowboys game, but I was at my grandparents' house. They wanted to watch the Batman, and so you know it was three hours of my day just taken away. So uh, wasn't able to hop on, and but I had my statistics, and now I don't have them. But Quell, <laughs> we're gonna see one day when, when JG gets his head coaching job. It, there's gonna be it we're gonna care years. so much about this team that's not the Eagles. It's gonna be ridiculous, it and I'm gonna be playing on their downfall. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. But anyways, anyways, let's uh let, let's 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 move into some uh let's move into some questions about the Giants. We have an expert on the Giants right here. I want to start it off. You're a Gator fan. I'm a Gator fan. What happened with Kadarius? Wandale. What didn't happen with Kadarius? So well, the Wandale thing was funny because they, they drafted Wandale, and I was doing a live stream when they drafted Wandale, and I was just like this is weird because you have Kadarius Tony, so it's a very odd fit. And Brian Dable came out and he was just like, hey, we're going to build the offense around both of them. And that sounded really fun, especially if you're going to play the team like the Eagles twice a year, who like, like it, just the defensive style that y'all play, like, like the middle of the field is open for checkdowns. Like you guys just had a whole rant about. It. So it's like, if you have that kind of defense and you have Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Tony and Saquon Barkley, who could all just go short over the middle and pick up yards for themselves, that's awesome. And then Kadarius, he, he kept doing his little antics that he does, you know, showing up to practice without cleats on and, and just weird stuff like that. Uh, and then he was hurt um, and he didn't play for a bit. And then he got traded and suddenly, miraculously, miraculously, perfectly healthy right away and fine in a week it it, it, yeah. it it had been healing up until that point it was just going yeah, yeah it was just pure wait hold on not to cut you off i don't know if any of y'all are wrestling fans i know quite is but you guys ever seen the video when kevin nash is in the wheelchair and he just pops the blanket <laughs> off the blanket. <laughs> yeah that, that's that's what Kadarius did he just threw the blanket off and he just and he just came onto the field for the chiefs and I don't know if it was that he was unhappy like with, with the Giants organization or being in New York or he didn't like the offense or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but it's very clear that Kadarius Tony didn't want to be a New York Giant. Uh, I think that... Like? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just... My whole thing when they drafted Juan Dale was they're the same player. Why did you... Yep. Just, I mean, I understand new regime. You go get your guy, but y'all just spent two first round picks in a row on the same player. I, so, I, I mean, genuinely think, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I genuinely think that Brian Dable wanted to build an offense around the both of them. I, I don't think it was anything, like, like I don't think that, that this was like any kind of, uh, like an like an ill will operator. I genuinely think Brian Dable was like, hey, we want to just get the ball short over the middle. That's what they did a lot with Josh Allen. They kept the ball short over the middle a lot and then let Josh Allen do Josh Allen things. Like Brian Dable likes to do that. They also brought in, who's their offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka from the Chiefs. What do they like to do? Get the ball short over the middle and let your playmakers make plays and then take your deep shots. I genuinely think that Brian Dable and Joe Shane and and everybody with the Giants was like, hey, we want to have both Kadarius Toney and Wandale Robinson. 
And I think that for whatever reason, Kadarius didn't want to be a giant. I'm not going to speculate as, as to why, but I think it's very clear that Kadarius wanted out by the way that he got traded, not even like 20 minutes later, started talking trash to Giants fans on Twitter. He was like, ah, I'm healthy. I'm good to go. Let's do it. Like, you guys don't even really know the situation and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, spend time like trying to guess why Kadarius was unhappy. I thought when they made the Wandale pick, it was questionable because of them being similar players right. later that weekend. Brian Dable said, we want to build the offense around both of them. And I believe that to be true. I don't think Brian Dable has been the kind of guy that's really lied or used coach speak too often. Like I think he's said what he wants. And so I think he wanted to build the offense around the ball home. Cause I think that'd be incredibly dynamic and explosive while also being safe and conservative with a quarterback like Daniel Jones and Terod Taylor as your backup. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And so, I think your last point, your last point um, about Dayball when you touched on him, I think that led over into my, one of my first questions. Um, just overall, how have you seen like the organizational like direction shift under him? Like just the impact, the total impact that he's had. It's awesome. It, it like I feel like there's. It's hard to tell if a coach is going to work out early on. Like you could tell if they're not going to work out early on. Like it was like week two, and I was talking with uh, Lauren Cox from Locked On Chicago Bears, and we were talking about Nathaniel Hackett. We were like, you can pretty early tell when things aren't going to work out there. Uh, but it's hard to tell when they are going to work. I think Brian Dable is one of the few people where he showed up and it immediately felt like a legitimate instant culture change. Like you knew that you had someone who's going to be creative offensively and get the most out of your guys. He's proven he put together a great coaching staff behind him. Big fan of the Mike Kafka hire. He brought Shea Tierney, who's one of his uh, one of his very low level assistants from Buffalo that I wanted him to bring, which was awesome that he did. Um, and it, it just ended up being a good situation. Wink Martindale, not my kind of defensive coordinator. Um, it's just, I, I'm just not a big fan of the super aggressive style. But if you can pull it off, then you can pull it off. And, and that's cool. But uh, yeah, I think that it's been awesome. I, I love the confidence that Brian Dable has and just that he expresses himself. Like last week, Daniel Jones ran in a touchdown and Brian Dable like ran up to him and, and like gave him a big hug. And it was like awesome to see. Um, you look at the... Is the Titans game week one going for it on fourth uh, going for it uh, the two point conversion to win the game and they ran a shovel to Saquon Barkley like if that ain't letting them hang then I don't know what is like like that is just that that's the kind of style that you love to see so I think it's stuff like that where it seems like a smart but aggressive approach that we haven't seen from the Giants in a long time and I'm just happy to see something different than you know. Tom Coughlin, Ben hmm. McAdoo, Jason Garrett's play calling. Like all, all this, hey, guys, we're going to go under center, 12 personnel. We're just going to run it up the middle on first down, second down, and then we're going to have to throw it deep on third down. Um, so it's just nice having some creativity and a very different style of play for New York Giants football. So it's interesting that you said that, actually. It kind of leads into one of my questions. So – Saquon Barkley has a big contract extension coming up. It's no secret, no surprise. And while you just said it's nice to see something new, something refreshing in terms of offensively for the Giants under Dabble, historically, and I mean, I've been following Dabble for a while. Historically, Dabble's not really that guy. 
I mean, he got his hands on Josh Allen and turned himself into a new person. I like to explain it. But when you historically follow Dabble, he's run first, get his hands on a really good running back, build the offense around him kind of guy. Even when you look back at some of his time when he was at Alabama in the college games, we're always top-tier running back, trying to build the offense around that type of thing. So given his historical preference to build an offense around the running back, and rumors going around that the Giants would prefer to get Saquon signed to a multi-year deal, as well as Daniel Jones. We'll talk about that later. Yet the team spent the first-round pick on Wandale Moore, and you just sat here and touched on how he was generally interested in building an offense around both of those players. What is your synopsis of what do you think the Giants' offense looks like for not, not necessarily this year, but for the particular future do you think that it's a, a team where Saquon is a featured back where you're talking about an Adrian Peterson Derrick Henry style of offense get him the ball 300 plus touches a year type of thing or do you think he's just another key to a cog at some point he's just using what he got right now I think it's a combination of them both I think long term they want Saquon to be a focal point of the offense um like, like I mentioned, like I'm, I'm tired of the whole like just take the ball first and second down, run it up the middle. I think that's one of the biggest things with Brian Dable is that the running game has been creative. I think he took part of that from Mike Kafka because the running game in Buffalo under Dable wasn't nearly as creative as it has been for the Giants this year. Maybe that's because you're more limited at quarterback, so you're going to do more with Daniel Jones and get more creative and stuff like that. But like watching a wide zone style, but also – with, with pin pull concepts being thrown into it is awesome from Brian Dable. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing where it's also, it's Mike Kafka calling the plays as well. So it, it's Dable obviously has his hand on the offense and has his hand on everything, but it's Mike Kafka calling the plays where I do think that they're like, Hey, we have a truly great running back on our roster right now. And we want to run the ball a lot, but we also understand this is, now 2023 in the NFL you need to be able to throw the ball and the best way to throw the ball without taking unnecessary risks or chances is to have playmakers underneath that you can just get the ball to in space and let them create plays so I think that was the point with keeping Kadarius Tony, which they wanted to do I believe uh drafting Wandale Robinson um <laughs> Kenny Galladay is just putting a, a square, a square in a round hole there. Like it ain't going to work. Um, but even then, like it, it's hard to, like, I know we make fun of Kenny Galladay, but it's like Kenny Galladay was signed under a different GM for a different head coach with a different style. So now Kenny Galladay doesn't fit at all and no one's going to touch him. No one wants him. You'll maybe, maybe this will be one of those times where, you know, I, it's not going to happen with the Eagles specifically, but, the Eagles tend to, you know, trade a, a fifth round pick for a veteran and he ends up starting and everyone's like, how is the best ever? Maybe that's something that happens with a team trades for Kenny Galladay and he ends up working out. And it's like, he's just not a fit for this offense. He's not a fit for this style. I, I still think he's a solid football player. I'm not going to be like, oh, he's worse. He's unhappy there. He's very clear he's unhappy there. He, does, he doesn't like anything that's happening in New York little worrisome uh that there's just like receivers are unhappy here um but <laughs> it's a thing where i think this team wants to run the football they want to build around saquon 
as far as giving him 300 touches, I don't know if that's going to be in the cards, just giving his injury experience. I think that they've done a pretty good job of, of handling him and managing him and getting him out of the game for extended periods of time, getting him fresh and putting him back in. But I, I think that, yeah, this team wants to build around Saquon and unfortunately Daniel Jones. So, you know, they want to build Daniel Jones, right? But what are the chances of him, you know, being, you know, extended for a while? Like, I mean, you don't, you don't, like we, we kind of talked about, like he can be a good bridge quarterback, right? That's what Quell was saying. Like, do you think there's, there's any capital invested in like, you know, the, maybe even flyers in the second or third round, or is this, there's really just organizational commitment to Daniel Jones? I hope right. not. It's not organizational commitment to Daniel Jones. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It, it made me curious because I asked both of them this before we got on, at least in the, in the messages. Well, as soon as both of them asked their questions, because they're, they're the same thing. They, they were really similar in the same process, actually. But it intrigued me. How much, A, do you think he raised, that Jones raised, I mean, not Jones, Dabble raises Jones' ceiling along with Parf's question. On top of, of course, I've heard your likings. We've all heard your likings on Daniel Jones, and you just said you hope it's not a franchise quarterback. So I guess, again, how long is his leash? What are we talking about in terms of a potential contract? If I'm the Giants, I give Daniel Jones, he's going to make, you know, upwards of $18 million. Um, that's just, that's what an average quarterback gets in the NFL. And he's had a good year. Um, the production shouldn't shock anybody, by the way. Like him having the year that he's having shouldn't shock anybody. That was a thing that came with Brian Devil. I wrote an article about it in like July. I was like, he's going to have the highest passing yards and rushing yards of his career. We got a game left and he's done both of those. Um, I think he gets like a two-year deal. And it's it's essentially a prove it deal, but not really prove it because it's two years. It gives you that extra mm-hmm. time. Uh, if I'm the Giants, I also draft a quarterback. I thought that was part of the reason of signing to Rod Taylor to a two year deal this past offseason is you have one year with Daniel Jones. If he doesn't work out, then you have a year with a rookie quarterback backing up to Rod Taylor, and then you have your your safety net there. Um, I, I yeah, I don't think that Daniel Jones will ever be a top 10 quarterback, which is the main reason that I don't like him for the Giants. Like, it's not that I think he's terrible, but he's never going to be a top 10 quarterback unless he has absolutely elite talent at every position around him. And if you need that to be a top 10 quarterback, then guess what? You're not a top 10 quarterback. So it's not that I hate Daniel Jones. I'm fine with him being a bridge guy, but he's never going to be your franchise quarterback. And that's why I'm just against extending him for a long period of time. Daniel Jones as far as with Brian Dable raising his ceiling, I think he raises his ceiling a lot by just helping him limit mistakes. Cause mm-hmm. that's the thing with Daniel Jones. He's always been adequate with a lot, but he just turns the ball over a ton. And I think that that's the biggest thing with Brian Dable where you, you, you make him significantly better because you limit his mistakes, mm-hmm. but you're still not good enough. Like, if you make it even to the second round of the playoffs, you're not going to make it much farther once things get serious. And you can make that same point with the 49ers, I think, right now. Like Brock Purdy's doing a good job. He's getting a lot of help from the scheme that's going around with, with Shanahan. Is he your franchise guy? Because I don't think anybody is like, oh, yeah, 
Brock Purdy's sorry. I don't think anybody is genuinely saying, yeah, Brock Purdy's the guy. <laughs> I think everybody, I think a lot of people are going like, oh, he could do the job for now, but he's never going to be the guy for your team. And that's what it is to Daniel Jones. Like you, you can get the job done for now and that's fine. But I will never be like, oh, we have Daniel Jones. I'm not going to look at another quarterback. Like, no, like you're going to turn your head. You're going to look around. You're going to keep your eyes open and see what's out there. And, and look, when you have Brian Dable and Mike Kafka on your staff, Brian Dable helped Josh Allen become who Josh Allen is. I know a lot of that was also Josh Allen going to quarterback trainers in the offseason and really working on his mechanics and developing that way. But Brian Dable helped Josh Allen become Josh Allen. Mike Kafka joined later in the cycle, but got to see Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes and really flourish and become Patrick Mahomes. I I can't look at the draft and think they're not going to swing on a, a high-ceiling quarterback. Like, that seems to be the type where you've got two guys who have seen it done with Patrick Mahomes was, was raw, and he became great. Uh, I don't know why you're making that face at me, but then you saw Josh Allen coming out was raw and you saw him become great. So I think they take a swing. I don't know. Are you looking at me? Because I am. I am. I'm looking at everybody. I am. Because hearing you talk, everything you say, and I'm pretty sure all of us here are all along on the same path. I mean, I just dropped my offensive rankings the other day. And I know that we all know I got him listed at quarterback three. But all I hear you talking and saying is, I just think Dabble could swing on Will Levis. And I, that's his kind of guy. It wouldn't oh, surprise me. No, not Will Levis. That's all I'm hearing that you say. Nasty. That's all you are saying. High How level talent, the little arm talent, mold him to be a better I'm okay player. with that. As long as Anthony is not in the division, I'm okay with you guys can have Will Levis. Dude, he, you saw that video of him throwing the football. Like, he can throw it really hard. Okay. Really I, I'm, I'm going to stick with, with my thing that I've said about Will Levis for a while now. He puts mayo in his coffee, and he, <laughs> and he, eats, banana, he eats bananas with the peel on. Ew. <laughs> because he has to. Without that, he's not an interesting person, and he's not an interesting quarterback. He has to do that to get you to care about him and get you to feel something about him. Eat a banana with the peel on? Yes, he eats a banana with the peel on. He eats it like, if this is the banana, like he eats it like through the middle. Like he's he's weird. Um, Yes. So he does that and he puts mayo in his coffee because he has to be interesting. He could do the little TikTok things and be super cool. Um, He's not a good quarterback. I will die on that hill. Quell, I know that you oh, so I don't think he's a good quarterback. Oh, yeah, no. But okay, you, you said you scout. You said you scout. I scout as well doing the NFL draft stuff. Um, the thing that really kills me with Will Levis and Park, you can maybe uh, chime in on this one. I saw Will Levis play really bad football against two of the worst Florida Gator defenses that I've ever seen. Mm. And that really kills me. Todd Grantham was horrible, and Will Levis sucked against him. After Tony, I love him. I know a lot of people feel differently about him. Parth, I'm assuming that you don't love him so much because it's like kind of similar to the Jonathan Gannon style. A lot style. of quarters, but um, he puts more pressure there. I appreciate that he at least blitzes sometimes. Okay, like, thank you for this information. He just genuinely hates the defense. He's trying to tell me that. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking of. It. It's a similar style to Jonathan Gannon. Like it, It's a lot of quarters coverage and all that stuff. Um, 
but I've seen Will Levis be horrible against two of the worst Florida defenses that I've ever yeah. seen. And I, I just, when I watch him play, I'm like, this dude will not be a franchise. Or could be, but I think his, the way he's got to go is so far. He's got the physical tools. Dope. Yeah. You're not going to be good is my point with Will Levis. Uh, so, no, I'm not talking get Will Levis. I'm talking get someone like Anthony Richardson who's just got a bazooka for an arm and is a freak athlete. And I compare to Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. Uh, when Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, I was not high on him. I was like, mm-hmm. this dude is big, throws nothing but 90-mile-an-hour fastballs. And as cool as it is and as fun as the screenshot is, I never want to see my quarterback hurdle someone. I never want to see that in my life. So Josh Allen doing that, Anthony Richardson doing that, especially Anthony Richardson. That boy is crazy sometimes, but I never want to see you do that. Um, And so that's what I'm talking about. Like you take a swing like that. I don't want you touching Will Levis. I don't. Please don't. Anybody but Will Levis. So who's your ideal quarterback? Because you've talked about on the locked on on the locked on podcast, right? Uh, Like because I I agree with your point. If 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 Anthony thought you know the the Gainesville media was was a lot and and too much to deal with. New York media is a, is a whole nother beast. So, you know, taking that into account, those types of things, who is your ideal quarterback that you guys take next year, take a swing on, and, like, that's your guy? So I think the thing – and I know that I know obviously what you're talking about with me saying that the media scares him, uh, the pressure scares him, that it's going to be way different um, with New York media because obviously New York media is a different beast. I will also say, though, that – I think part of what got to Anthony Richardson is he's a Gainesville kid. Yeah. And so the hometown pressure, like it's not necessarily just like media getting to him. It's the pressure of being from Gainesville, going to Eastside high school, being labeled as Gainesville's very own, having the Heisman hope immediately when you did nothing to deserve it. I think stuff like that just gets to his head where that's why he played better. I think, I don't know. I've, I've kind of come around to the fact that maybe he can handle not like New York media or LA media or, or like a large scale media place. And it's more just the internal pressure of being a Gainesville kid. That's a really good point. To find success in Gainesville. Because I mean, that is the city of Gainesville. Yeah. The, the city of Gainesville is Gatorland. You know what I mean? Like if you're from there and I mean, he, Grew up, I mean, he's like the, around the same age as me, so he grew up watching Tim Tebow, and he wears number fifteen. Like, it's it it it's it's a it's a ton of pressure, especially for a uh, for a Gainesville kid. So that's uh that, that's a really good point. So, I mean, I'm hoping that he does not go to the Giants, that he goes as far away from the Giants as possible. I'm hoping that the uh, Dolphins maybe grab him in the second with that uh with with, the, with that with that pick they got. I think Tua needs to retire. Hey. If AR does go to the Giants, he's still got to take significant strides. So yeah, honestly, I think that'd be the perfect landing spot. Cause I mean, while we just sat here and I just told y'all my thought process on Daniel Jones, perfect bridge quarterback, all things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I think he could learn. He he could actually sit and learn from under Daniel Jones. He could sit, watch Daniel Jones run the offense, get comfortable within the offense. Because it actually looks like Jones is comfortable in this offense right now. And, like, just basically learn all that from him to see what it takes to take the bigger leap. I know he's going to need reps at some point. Because that's my big thing with Malik Willis right now. He's going to need reps at some point. 
But I also said, I, I think Anthony is a two, maybe three-year project at the quarterback position. He is. If, if you work with him enough, if he lands in a proper spot, he – you you may very well get your hands on another Josh Allen. He has that same like I agree with your sentiment. He has the same skill set, Rocky for arm, mobile skill set. He really mobile, like six four, really big body. He fits the mold for franchise quarterback that these guys like. He's he's perfect, but he just hasn't got. I, a lot of us like to blame it on the reps. That makes sense, but. He just has so much to figure out at the quarterback position. Like, honestly, just listening to you, what you just said about the pressure that's on the Gainesville media, all that stuff, I wonder how much of a factor that played in him just leaving. But that's very interesting. But, I mean, when you look at him and you say, oh, like he's a two- or three-year project, so was Josh Allen when he came mm-hmm. out. Like, like, so – and Josh – the thing with Josh Allen was like reps wasn't really the concern with him because he was a starter. Like, like he was an established starter and all that where it's like Anthony Richardson, like that's, that's one of the reasons where I've talked about Anthony Richardson. That's like, it was a good decision for him to go to the draft because he's Josh Allen raw. Like he's big arm mobile. We could use the same adjectives we want all the time. I'm tired of saying it myself. Um, like we could use all the adjectives. But the thing was, he had one year of starter tape, and it wasn't good tape. But you could at least go, but this is what he becomes. Yeah, you can go look at the flashes, look at what he becomes. If he came back to Gainesville and had another year like he had this year or a slightly better year, then it really becomes, well, can he become that, or is this just who he is? So. That's why when people give Anthony Richardson a, a whole bunch of crap for declaring for the draft, I'm like, no, like that, that was a smart, calculated decision. Like, he should have gone because he is all mystery right now. And that's the biggest thing he has. Even Will Levis. Like, people talk about, well, he, he's a project quarterback. He needs to take these strides, but he's got these tools. He's got two years of starter experience. You've got two years of tape to watch what he did. And it was un, under different offensive coordinators, which you could say that's a that's – kind of downswing to him that hurts him whatever but you could also say like two two different schemes we've saw him in and he didn't play great in either of them and so that's the concern at least anthony richardson you have so much of first year starting first year with a new head coach in this system like there, there's a lot that goes in the favor of going we'll give anthony richardson the benefit of the doubt and that's why i think it was such a good idea for him to go to the draft makes sense and i mean when you really think about it, I mean, even Jalen Hurts was a two-year project, right? I mean, he was – this is his third year starting – or not third year starting, but second year starting, third year in the league. You know, he, he got some reps at the end of his first year, but, you know, last year was his first year starting, and that was uh, that was an up-and-down process as well. So um, we've talked about it before, but the, the, the most important thing when it comes to a quarterback, uh, making a team or even just finding success is just – Top to bottom organizational commitment needs to be everywhere. Receivers, line, running back, everyone, and then up higher, you know, coaches, GMs, owner. Ownership is important too because you don't want your pressure from the owner on the GMs and all that type of thing. Like you need to just 
Jalen Jalen Hurts was able to win him over. You know, like Jeffrey Lurie last year was just like, oh yeah, like you know, this is this guy's special. You know, we want to give him time, and he was able to do the same thing with Howie. And so, uh, you know, just getting that getting that support is so crucial for those guys. So I hope you know wherever Anthony goes, he gets it because we have not had a uh, good uh, Florida quarterback in the league you know, for a while. So get in line. It sucks for us, isn't it? I know, man. We've had some good quarterbacks from Florida. They've just never gone from Florida to the right, NFL. Right, right, right. right. You know, you're, you're out there holding it down. Down. You've had a few guys. Down right now. He's holding it down. Even uh, I saw Felipe was getting some reps. Uh, it was the other week. That was that was gross. Just just, just move to tight end. Dude. That's the Felipe so package. That's a Felipe <laughs> You, I get you. I try, well, at this rate, me saying, Ohio, who says Ohio State can't produce quarterbacks? Y'all see Joe Burrow? Yeah, right. that's how it is. <laughs> Who's counting? Who's counting? Cam Newton? Ever heard of him? He's a Gator. Florida <laughs> hasn't had a good quarterback, so I had the 2015 MVP. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know that's right, man. Oh, man. Well, anyways. Yeah, but- Oh, yeah, I got go ahead. one more question. One more question yeah. for you. Um, throughout you know this pod, you know you've talked about your disdain for um, Daniel Jones and how much you don't want uh, the Giants to really you know resign him and uh, have him as their franchise quarterback. But um, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say that this year has been his best year um, in the NFL. Um, so, from your perspective, what do you think has changed for him this year? Despite losing a lot of his weapons, you know he still seemed to be you know very effective. Why do you think uh, that is? The thing, aside from like just like scheme, the biggest thing for Daniel Jones has been he looks more comfortable in the pocket than he ever has. Uh, that, that's easily it. Like, like he's got, he looks more comfortable in the pocket and more confident than he's ever looked. But I, 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 that only takes you so far. Like you still have just things that you lack to be the franchise quarterback. But aside from just saying like, oh, like they could draw up open receivers and, and that stuff. Um, genuinely his pocket presence has been significantly improved. He still holds the ball a little too long sometimes, but you can watch a Giants game and you can actually see Daniel Jones go through progressions, which we never really saw him do before. You can see him go through progressions. He's behind the best offensive line he's ever played behind, which they, they still have quite a bit of flaws, but the best offensive line he's ever played behind. But he looks more confident as a quarterback than he's ever looked, and it's not even close. It's just, it's so clear Daniel Jones is more confident than ever. Maybe that's because he's got a scheme around him that isn't 1990s high school stuff. Maybe because he's got a better offensive line from a coach that he knows is a scheme guy and will help things happen. But whatever it is, he looks more comfortable in the pocket by a huge margin than he's ever looked. He's taking care of the football better. He's not just standing there and getting demolished and fumbling the football. He's not having Jamal <laughs> Adams literally run up and just take it from him. So he, he looks better. Yeah, sorry to remind you that. Uh, he looks better in the pocket than he's ever looked, and that's easily the biggest thing. His pocket presence is something that I said was his biggest flaw going into the year. So to see that now be one of his strengths is a, an awesome turnaround. And that that's great for him. But, yeah, I think his biggest thing has easily been the pocket presence. He looks more comfortable than ever. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. I mean, since we touching on 
I feel like we touched a lot on the offensive side of the ball. You said something earlier that caught my attention when you was talking about Wink not necessarily being your kind of guy. We talked before we went on air, and we've touched on it, even doing me and Parks' rant. Clearly, the Giants' defense is devoid of talent. And I'm sorry. I love KT. I love Leonard Williams. I love Xavier McKinney. I think those are good football players. I don't think Julian Love is a good football player, but I love Julian Love. So let's just go with that. Been a big fan of him for a while. That said, I mean, we kind of had, like I just said, we had the whole Jonathan Gannon argument. And even despite what Park said now, there was a, a, a year ago where we talked about this defense and we sat here and said, we see the vision. We just don't have the players to execute what we want to execute. Watching Wink. I, I see a lot of the same things. I see the vision. You just don't have the players in place to execute. But with that said, the Giants' defense hasn't been bad. They have, so how do you think Wink has been able to get the most out of this unit being so blitz-heavy, especially with the weaknesses at corner and linebacker? And does this make this does it make it a safe bet to assume the Giants will probably go cornerback in round one? I hope they do. <laughs> I'll tell you, I will tell you, I hope they go corner round one, maybe even round two also, and, and just get some talent in there. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Wink's done a solid job of getting the most from them. I think that a big part of the success has been having such a strong defensive front where, you know, you could blitz and not hit home, and, mm-hmm. and then you're just screwed. The Giants, one of the reasons that their defense has not been horrible, like it was, like Wink last year, he had all these injuries and his defense sucked with the Ravens, but that's because he was, he had all the injuries, all the corner issues and everything. Now you're looking at him with the giants and he still got the injuries in the secondary, but the front is relatively healthy. The front is, I, I think the, the New York giants have Florida Gators. I think the New York giants have a very strong defensive front. Like I love Dexter Lawrence, who I was very low on when he was coming out of Clemson. Uh, but I love what he does now. I like Leonard Williams, and I was very low on him when the Giants traded for him. I loved, I, I liked him coming out of USC, but when they okay. traded for him, I was like, okay, like he wasn't doing much. Um, and then Kayvon Thibodeau is just a freak. Aziz Ojolari, when he's healthy, is a freak. It's having good defensive linemen, like good interior defensive linemen, whether you want to call them DNs or D-tackles, I don't care they're lining up inside of an outside linebacker. So they're interior defensive linemen. So having guys there, having good outside linebackers and having athletic outside linebackers has been a big thing where that's one of the reasons last year the Ravens drafted Odafe Owe was because it was like, okay, well, he's really freaking fast. He's raw, but he's really freaking athletic. So when we send him on these blitzes that are designed to get free rushers, he's going to get home really quickly. And so that's one of the things where, yeah, Giants secondary, not the best. Uh, definitely not the best. I love Xavier Kenny. I like Julian Love. I'm not going to say I love him. I like Julian Love. I think he's okay. I will say Julian Love is the kind of guy when he was coming out of Notre Dame, I viewed him the same way that I viewed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, where I was like, I think he's going to be an Austin nickel. He just hasn't been playing nickel. So guess I was wrong. Um, 
But I, I think that you got to really add talent to the secondary there, and, and that's the biggest thing. I, I Yeah, I don't like Wings' defense. It's not my style. It's not that I think it's bad. It's just not my style. I am more of like the Jonathan Gannon, Patrick Tony type. Like I like quarter. I like not being super aggressive, maybe sending a fifth rusher every now and then. Um, don't shake your head. It works. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like, that's my style of defense, so I like it. If Wink wants to do that, I understand it. Like I see the thought process behind it. My issue is that you have to have really good football players in order to do it. And I think it's really hard to do. Like I think that the Eagles defense, you could work without elite talent throughout. I think that if you're looking at a Wink Martindale defense, you need to have elite talent in that secondary in order to work. And we saw the Ravens do that consistently. The Ravens had Jimmy Smith when he was awesome. They had uh, Ladarius Webb when he was awesome. They had, or well, Ladarius Webb was before uh, Wink, but they they had these guys like Marcus Peters coming in. They had Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith. They had these guys that were great outside corners. Giants don't have that. We'll see if when they do have that talent, if they can actually put it together. But I'm just not a fan of going, we need the perfect players that are very good at this in order to be able to do it. Because the odds that you can get, we'll say 16 guys on a defense that can do that, because odds are you're going to have injuries and, and people need to rotate. Get needing 16 guys that can do this at a high level is too much of an ask from me. But if you can do it, great. And I feel like with a defense like Wink Martindale, it's one of those defenses where when you do put it all together and you have those great players, everyone's going to say, oh, on paper at the start of the season, this is an awesome defense. And then one injury happens and it all just crumbles. Um, so that that's one of the reasons that I don't like the style. But if you can get the corners, which you should draft corners early and often, so be it. And and even a safety to go with Xavier McKinney. It's just funny that you say that. Oh, sorry. I was just about to say, it's just funny that you say that because – I have some of the same complaints about this defense that if you don't have the elite talent at certain positions, I mean, it's, I mean, Quan and I have talked about it. But that's length. every, that's every system. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like if you don't have a nose tackle in this system, then you're hosed, you know, your, your defense mm-hmm. is, 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 is fully, full, fully chalked, but you know, I digress. Don't need to get into all that again. Um, but thank you so much, Brandon. Uh, really appreciate you hopping on with us. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate your uh, your podcast every day, first listen of the day, every day, <laughs> you know. Um, but but uh, you know, thank you again for coming on. Hope you lose this weekend, uh, obviously, so that we can get this number one uh, seed locked up. But uh, we'll have to have you on uh, next season uh, when uh, when we play again. And uh, thanks so much. And give give any plugs that you want to uh, for, for all your stuff so that you can uh, get the get the good people to follow you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. This was awesome, by the way. Um, but Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. You can find Locked On Locked On Gators. I'm Locked On Giants. Sorry, Patricia. Um, Locked On Gators on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and GiantsCountryWithSI.com is every week content. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to everyone who's listening. You guys all know the drill. Go get them dollars. 
exactly like listen subscribe and then go to the apple store brand this is something we have if you want to do it you can you'll get six dollars two for me one from qual three from pierre you have to go to the Coach apple store he give you Coach said he got four dollars he ain't here but he ain't out of it yeah, that's ten that's ten right there you have to go to the apple store every single device open up the podcast and just stream one there and get five stars from every single phone there ten dollars to your name so stands for any any uh, any listeners as well but uh but it, but it, but in all honesty just please uh like listen uh rate review and subscribe and just uh share it with your friends you know uh we like to think that it's pretty good content and uh and, and make sure you let your friends know about it so that uh we can all get ready for this uh big playoff run for all of our teams but uh for all of us go birds I mean, all, all them. <laughs> I was about to say. I mean, I was gonna say. Is he gonna let it go? Is he gonna let it go? <laughs>